0: Wink at somebody, that's about all you can do. I guess you can wave, right? You can wave at everybody. We wave at you, the many, many tens of thousands joining us online. We love you. The devil tried to divide us, but he just made us grow. You know, when the, when the Israelite women were giving birth to their children, Pharaoh said to the Egyptian midwives, strangle those babies when they come out of there. We'll put an end to this. Your Bible, my Bible says, the more they afflicted them, the more they prospered, and the more they grew. So throw up one hand that you're prospering, the other that you're growing, and put a shout with it while you clap to let everybody know. Thank you, thank you so very much we appreciate your wonderful anointings. God bless you. Dr. Lowe, there used to be a fellow in Columbus, Ohio that did the sports. His name was Jimmy Crum. There are probably four people that remember Jimmy Crumb, but that looks like a beautiful Jimmy Crumb jacket. He always wore those bright and colorful jackets. We love you so much. Thank God for you. Amen. It's good to see some of you. Man, you can be seated, wonderful to have you with us. Now I'm gonna get started because I I really am under the anointing of the Holy Spirit already. Uh, I woke up this morning with a deep sense of the presence of God upon me. So I want you to pray with me right now. Father, in the wonderful name of your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, for him and him alone, we have gathered ourselves together here. We have gathered our families around us there. We have sequestered ourselves before you, and we say, Lord, this is your time. uh, We're not distracted by anything. Right now, we just speak peace, and we speak calm, and we speak restoration, and we speak healing and deliverance. We speak the mighty, mighty, incomparable peace of God. And Lord, we just pray for the attention of the people to be focused on you right now, nothing but you. Today, we're going to go to Calvary and may we walk away changed. May every single one of us have our tomorrow affected by a glimpse at your supreme sacrifice to know the price you paid so that we would live in harmony, in joy, in peace. For you came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly so this morning by faith we lay hold on that abundant life sufficient in quantity superior in quality let your people feel your presence and let them hear your voice oh god make my words ordered in heaven uttered over lips of clay may you give me a tongue of a ready rider, may you give me a word to speak in season to those who are weary. And my great God, should we find those and surely we will, who need to make things right with you today, that the most important thing above all else is that we are this very day, in right standing with you, humbled by the fact that you saw us in our sin and you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever would just trust in you, repent of their evil ways, turn to you with their whole heart, will find the remedy for every ailing portion of human experience. We give you the praise for it in advance because we know we've never uttered the prayer that you did not hear and answer the very moment we prayed. So we say thank you that you have heard us. Thank you that you have answered. Thank you that we are walking in the blessing of your kingdom, and we declare and decree as you have taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven we thank you for it we bless you for it we rebuke COVID-19 we rebuke every sickness every disease every pain and malady every malfunction and infirmity we rebuke weariness of spirit we rebuke weariness of mind and body and we say the joy of the Lord is our strength come now Holy Spirit do your work, and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know if you can shout, but you can sure enough clap right? right there where you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Let God arise. Let his church arise. Let his people arise, and let his enemies be scattered, they that rise against you one way, smitten before your face, fleeing right now before you seven ways, for he is above you and beneath you, in front of you, behind you, on the left hand, on the right hand, surrounding you with his favor as with a shield, shout his glory, Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Woo, somebody need to get your shout on. Worthy, 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 worthy. Lift him up. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. We're not lifting up an agenda. We're lifting up a savior. We're not lifting up a cause, we're lifting up a crucified, risen, coming again, Savior. We preach Christ, Him crucified, risen from the dead and coming again. Whoa, what a gospel. You can be seated if you're here. If you're at home, you can still take a lap around your coffee table. Mm. I'm an audience participation preacher. So you got to comment, you got to clap, you got to wave, you got to spin. We used to say here before COVID hit, somebody clap, somebody shout, somebody dance, somebody run, somebody spin. Hallelujah. Well, I'm gonna take a text second Corinthians chapter number five verses 17 to 21 reading a little more scripture this morning than we're commonly accustomed to for the entrance of his word gives light it causes our faith to grow strong bless his name 2nd Corinthians chapter number five, beginning at verse 17, which should be very familiar, uh, excuse me, to any of you that attend this church or watch us online or are connected to us in any way. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? A new creature. So, you can't be held by your past, or you'll never be free to enter your future. Uh huh. And all things are become new to him. Ah, verse 18 All things are of God, who has, shout the next word, please, reconciled us. To himself by Jesus Christ. Now, this next line is one that I've preached for the last 30 years that I don't know that the church has ever caught up with, but here it is anyway, right out of the pages of God's Word. And He, meaning Christ, has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. You do not have a ministry of division. You have been given through Christ a ministry of reconciliation. Of taking those who are separated from one another and bringing them together, fitly framed together the body of Christ. In whom dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So it was God in Christ, verse 19, reconciling the world to himself. Watch this. Not imputing their trespasses to them. Now, can you just draw a reference from the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Let's think about that. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth concurrently as it is being done in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. I'm gonna try that part again. Forgive us our sins while we hold others' offenses against us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. So therefore, the forgiveness of God is available to you to the level and degree that you forgive those who have offended you. That suit just feels good. It's a great equalizer. I must forgive you, you must forgive me, or you and I have no forgiveness. Wow, that's powerful. Oh, how the world would change in 15 minutes if we would just forgive those as we have been forgiven. That's not my message but it's good nonetheless. Shout hallelujah or clap your hands one of the two or type in there, amen. Amen. As he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, I hadn't intended on sharing this, but I'm gonna go ahead anyway, so don't take this off my time. I'm not through my text yet. So over in the 400-seat building, that was the second building that we had built, I was preaching and teaching on a Wednesday night, and there were three young ladies. They were seated right over in that section over there, about five rows back. And at that time, I used to walk the aisles and walk on top the pews and preach and teach. And I noticed these three young ladies, they were lovely young ladies. They probably were in their early 20s. And in the middle of the message, I stopped. I walked up to them and I said to them, stand please. And so they stood. I said, now, close your eyes and put your hands on your heart. They did likewise. And I said, I was preaching actually from this passage. And I said, now then, pray this prayer after me. And I prayed the salvation prayer. And they repeated every word. By the end of the prayer, all three of them were weeping. And I said, what has just happened to you? And they all three testified. They were Roman Catholics, but they'd heard a lot of people were coming to that little church in a cornfield. So they just showed up to see what all the commotion was about. As they prayed that prayer, God heard and answered their prayer. And all three of those young ladies now 30 years later are all involved in Christian ministry. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I simply had them at the direction of the Holy Spirit pray a prayer after me. But I have been given the ministry of reconciliation, meaning, if God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, now through the power of the Holy Spirit, that Christ is in you reconciling the world not to your cause not to your agenda not to your opinion but to the cross of jesus christ where they can receive the savior of the world the apex of all christian endeavor must become to place the jewel of a soul in the crown of our savior this And this alone is the answer for everything wrong at your house. There's nothing wrong at your house that what's right in this house today cannot fix. There is nothing wrong in America that what is in this kingdom cannot fix. I'm not getting very many shouts and amen. You know some folk don't wanna be healed. I'm speaking deep now. I said, there's some folk don't want to be healed. They don't want an answer because that would distinguish their agenda. They want to use a problem to establish an agenda. So when someone comes along with an answer to the problem, they reject it outright. Wow. Wow, he was made sin for us. I want you to say that. I want you to say, Jesus, the Son of God, was made sin. Now, did you hear what I said? He was made sin. He became sinful. He didn't just acknowledge our sin, he became our sin. He who knew no sin was made to be sin. That you and I might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now I need to tell you a thing. If you are born again, if you are, type it in, yes. If you are born again here, shout yes. Yes. Shout it again. Then you are as righteous as you will ever be. You do not grow in righteousness. You grow in holiness. You grow in sanctification. But just because you stubbed your toe and sinned, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And if he won't hold your sin against you, how dare you hold another sin against them? You have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Miss Joni wrote a poem a few years ago called No Matter. I want to share it with you now. No greater joy to know regardless of the trial that God saw our sin and gave his son so we'd be reconciled. So daily we rejoice to know what is ours forever, the gift of promise that assures us we will be together forever. Beloved is he, O Holy One, Emmanuel, God's precious only son. Questions haunt a person when they've been doing this as long as I have. I have now in gospel ministry nearly 3,000 Sunday mornings under my belt. Questions like why are we here? We are here for one reason and one reason only to spend our life bringing the message of reconciliation to Jesus Christ and God the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is our purpose, this is our mantra, this is our desire, this is our heart, this is our ministry, the ministry of reconciling men and women from sin to salvation. The cross of Christ is that hinge upon which all of human history swings. It is the pivot round about which all the events of the ages revolve. It's the fulcrum of God's grand and glorious lever. 4,000 years in the crafting where one man on one tree on one Friday pried a fallen world out of Satan's diabolical grasp. It is the place where conviction joined hands with compassion, where truth married mercy to reach the sinner, to transform the saint, to impact the culture and reconcile a world. The silence of the lamb has ended. The shout of the saints rings out at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Your Bible says, behold, they that walk in gross darkness have seen a great light. And then he says to us, Arise, shine, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. I must say this, the cross of Christ is the central message of Christianity. There's a lot going on these days. take away emblems of the past. It all began with the disappearance of the cross from our songs and from our worship, from our hearts and from our actions, from our preaching and from our praying. The cross must once again be lifted up because it belongs to the whole world. Regardless of race or culture or creed, regardless of denomination, regardless of socioeconomic background, regardless, the cross belongs to everyone. But in a nation where the cross once topped every church steeple, the cross has fallen very, very sharply and very, very quickly out of fashion. It seems so old fashioned. They say it's too churchy. They say it needs to be reimagined. They say it's so last century. So we are seeing the repercussions of living in a generation raised without a revelation of that angry beam. Silently, an entire generation has slipped the cross down from its conspicuous former spot on the wall of its theology. It's been replaced, you see, more pleasant, less offensive, less demanding, easier to look at, images are now hanging where once hung the cross. I have asked myself this question many, many times over the last two weeks. Do you think that it could be that in these dark and volatile days. In these fearsome and perilous times, the church's waning influence on the culture is directly related to the removal of the cross of Jesus from our messages and from our lives. Oh, I understand the scene at Calvary where it's just It's just too ugly. That scene with its implications of sin's tolls and the severe demands of cosmic justice are just too troubling to look at for long. Today I want to take you on a very quick trip. We won't stay there long. But I want us to find ourselves side by side to some of the witnesses on the darkest day of human infamy and God's ultimate triumph. This is all accomplished as you'll see by the selfless supreme sacrifice of God's only begotten son. Now those whose destinies have placed them in this specific geographic location on that specific Friday, are going to witness some very, very remarkable things. This day will become the turning point of human history and alter every human's eternity. Three men are being executed. Executed in a manner reserved for the very worst of Rome's enemies, the earth, is cloaked in the darkness that midnight itself does not recognize, ears hear the loathsome sound of the whistle and the snap of the brutal scourge and the iron ring upon iron as the hammer drives the spike, the wince, the horrific shrieks of agony, of the demonically fueled laughter of drunken soldiers fills the air. The witnesses stumble to keep their balance. The ground shakes. The earth quivers beneath their feet. An earthquake rumbles through the Judean hills in the air, the asrid scent of burning flesh wafts down the valley from the temple above where a thousand Levitical priests make haste to sacrifice tens of thousands of innocent lambs before the last rays of sunlight Are extinguished and the day is done. It's an overwhelming breathtaking scene. Even so, infinitely more is taking place just beyond the reach of the five human senses. There in the invisible realm of the spirit, the battle of the ages is approaching its apex. As Jesus hangs there, pallid, impaled upon that cursed tree, we must look behind the veil of the natural realm to glimpse the purposeful reality of that ugly, mean, biting beam. We must now follow that jeering mob, that cursing crowd from Pilate's doorstep to King Herod, and then back to Pilate again. The round trip will require us to walk two and a half miles through the gauntlet of unimaginable abuse. Jesus, of course, has not slept for days. His face, bludgeoned, bruised, swollen from the beatings. His skin blistered, raw. Well, Roman law, of course, dictates that crucifixion must be overseen by a crucifixion specialist, the Carnifix sererum. Latin, in English, the flesh nailer. As a precursor, Pilate orders Jesus to be flogged, and we're standing there, you see. We're watching in stupefied horror, the Son of God, who spoke with such poetry about God clothing the lilies of the field, now suffers the humiliation of being stripped naked and bare. Soldiers grab his wrists and pull them around the curve of a massive stone column. They stretch his back so tight that his skin is about to tear, all in preparation for the cursed whip, which consists of leather strips or stone or metal beads spaced precisely along each strand and its torturous tip, there's added a jagged fragment of sheep bone filed to a razor's edge. The wielder of the whips an expert in his ghastly craft, trained to inflict maximum pain while still leaving a glimmer of light of life in his victim, as that flogging comes. Don't turn away, look! You speak of suffering? You speak of trial? You speak of testing? You make excuses for behavior? That lashing involves not only his back. Why? He was made sin for you. That's your sin there. That's your rebellion, your witchcraft. It's your anger and your hatred and your bitterness and your tail and your drunkenness and your waywardness. Yours. Mine. Oh, they're giving due attention to his back, of course, but the legs, they're giving attention as well. Some of our fellow onlookers who've witnessed many such floggings begin to murmur. There's something different about this one. There seems to be an unseen force animating this flogger. He's filled with rage and vindictive joy, perhaps the shouts of the massive mob, excited by the sight of blood, with their emotions fueled with anger, filling his body With adrenaline, we begin to wonder if there'll be anything left to crucify at all. Finally. Finally, what seemed hours at that flagging post is over in a moment. The volume of blood gathered around the base of the column is too much to bear. His piercing eyes are now swollen shut. His beard has been yanked from his face by the roots. That beating has rendered Calvary's lamb unrecognizable. He had before their very eyes been made sin for us. Even as Moses placed a brass serpent in the fire and beat it until it formed the shape of a hissing serpent to free Israel from the fiery serpents of death which had been sent among them because of their rebellion. So Jesus now must be beaten without mercy into the shape of the awful curse of sin which has plagued us since we were born. The horror, The horror. It's not over. It continues. Don't close your eyes. The worst is yet to come. One of those massive soldiers, he's, he's handed a mocking purple robe. They take it. A friend grabs a crown of thorns. They brutally turn it likewise and thrust it into his hemorrhaging brow. The robe thrown around his back, soaking into the raw, torn ribbons of bleeding flesh. Then the savage assault, it all continues with another round of spitting and punching. Well, Pastor, I don't like what they said about me. They told a lie on me. They don't know what I've been through. Spat upon, punched again. Oh, there's no. Ambulance chasing attorneys waiting to sue someone on his behalf. No one to get even with those so punishing him. one to make sure his demands are listened to. He's alone, as alone as any human has ever been. God himself, your Bible says, wrapped himself in darkness and turned his face away from his son. God doubled his fist and smote his own son upon the cheek why he was made sin for us who knew no sin who's that oh that's the mob stoning the woman taken in adultery oh, but jesus riding in the sand. Picking up a stone himself offers it to the crowd. Let you who are without sin, you who never offended anyone, You who never said a word out of turn. You who never lost your temper. You who've never drawn back your fist on your wife. You who provoke your children to wrath. You who are rebellious in nature and blessed be the name of God. No one will tell you what to do. You who kick against the pricks. You who rebel against all authority. You who murmur and complain. You who whisper and separate the chiefest of friends because you are evil. You who steal God's tithe. You who begrudge your giving. You who are without sin, go ahead, continue your stoning. The robe is then, can you imagine it? That robe laying upon those gaping wounds the palestinian sun beating down upon it drying the bloody mass soaked into the threads of that garment yanked from his back thrown on the ground wounds that by God's grace were beginning to coagulate and close are now ripped open again adding insult to injury they bring that massive crossbeam, and guess where they place it on his back that splintered wood, crushing down into his depleted and dying condition. Now he's got to bear its punishing weight. Those legs, weak and torn, muscles separated from bones in the blistering heat through the narrow cobblestone streets of Jerusalem as the insects bite and the flies swarm and the dogs howl. He was made sin for me. Lamb of God now led to the slaughter. The stifling scene is disturbed by a shuffle that bloodthirsty crowd. Jesus is going into shock. Halfway there, he crumbles in collapse under the weight of that beam, and a black-skinned man rushes to the aid of a brown man. Never a heavier burden has any race ever born than Simon of Cyrene bore that day finally finally we make it all the way to Calvary Golgotha the place of the skull the crucifixion of a pair of common thieves is already underway. Their shrieks and their screams is echoing down through the Kidron Valley. The Lord Jesus is stretched upon the crossbeam with great, great precision a pair of five inch iron spikes. For your anger, and your racism, and your fear, and your lying, and your adultery, and drunkenness. They find their marks, one in each wrist sunk deeply into that olive wood beam with the aid of ropes and pulleys. With Jesus attached to that cross beam, it is hoisted up and into place, dragging his body against the vertical beam. It drops into its place with great precision. At the very moment, of the weight of his tortured body reaching the end of that drop. Both of his arms are immediately wrenched out of their sockets. He dangles there as the flesh nailer takes two more spikes. Driving one sideways, through the thickest part of the ankle bone. Taking the other foot likewise to the side of the cross through the thickest part of his ankles. Why? I already told you. He became your sin. Now in other places, they would leave the body hanging through the night, crucifixion was meant to take 18, 24, 30 hours, the victims suffocating. But Jewish tradition required that a body had to be buried before sunset. So the Romans acquiesced to that request. They didn't need to, but they did. So in order to hurry the process, a giant soldier would take a giant sledge and approach the tree and with one mighty swing, smash his leg. Enjoying it so much Pounding on our sin, he smashed the other leg. That would hasten death because he can now no longer push his weight up to gain a breath. He'll suffocate within moments. With malicious intent, that same soldier takes his mallet and approaches the center cross. But there, he realizes that Jesus' chest is no longer heaving up and down. That the scripture might be fulfilled, not a bone of his body was broken. So to make sure everything is finished, he withdraws his sword and thrusts it deep into the side of the only begotten Son of God and pulls it out. And that pool of blood gushes forth. Jesus. You know, there was that moment when God was dead. No hope. No remedy. No peace. No forgiveness. No mercy. No grace. His greatest display of unbridled love for you and for me was demonstrated. There he hangs, pallid, pale, suffering, sighing, crying, dying, bleeding, by which the very veins of God Himself were emptied. And with every red crimson rivulet that runs down his naked side and drips off his toes into bloody pools on the earth, each drop cries out, I'm doing this for you. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's not the deacon or the elder, or my neighbor or my friend or my enemy, oh God. It's me. It was my sin. you became sin for me John 3:16 says for God so loved the world boy that just messes me up it didn't say for God loved the world It said, For God so love the world. How so? I've just told you. Away with our arrogance, away with our pride. if we shout let it be his praises and as we forgive let it be in his name and as we reconcile others to Christ let it be by his blood and as we love let it be with his love self Exalting, no. My will, no. I have a right, no. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. I have no great altar call. I give you Jesus. Yeah. I, I give you Jesus for all your pain. <clears throat> I give you Jesus for all of your anger I give you Jesus for all of your hurt. I give you Jesus for every wound. Could I give you myself? I would, but I have been crucified with him. And because I share with him in his death, I share with him in his resurrection from the dead, that I might become a minister of reconciliation. Come ye wounded, weak and worn, I give you Jesus. I give you Jesus. Will you give yourself wholly and completely, entirely and thoroughly, now and forever, will you give yourself to him? Will you give him your plans and your pain? What will you give him your sorrow, and your grief? Will you give him your yesterday and today? Will you give him your tomorrow? Will you allow his life to kill the root of sin? pride? Will you humble yourself at his cross? Can you really say, I surrender all, all the kingdoms, my thoughts, my heart, my past, my present, my future? I give it all to Jesus. I pray you today in Christ's stead. The actual translation says, I pray for you today in Christ's place. Be reconciled to him. He became sinned. knew no sin so that you who were born in sin may be reconciled to him in full forgiveness and peace God let mercy rain down let forgiveness and truth make all men free in Jesus name Amen. Amen. I don't just want everybody who is possibly coming to the cross for the first time to let me know. I want every person who went back to Calvary with me today And God washed again. I want you to let me know. Just type in there. I am his. Just give yourself to him. Give yourself to him today. I sure do love you. I thank God for you. I'm praying for you. I'm really rebuking this COVID thing. It's on a quick upswing again. Pray for our nation. Pray for its leaders. Pray for each other. Miss Joni has been verifiably locked away for two weeks in prayer, calling on the name of God. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways and pray, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins. I will heal their land. I'm a little still caught up in the scene that we witnessed today. Could we just thank Jesus for what he did, could we praise him? Could we glorify him? Could we lift up our voices in worship and honor to him? The lamb of God slain to take away the sins of the world. May we never forget our primary purpose, reconciling the world to God through Christ.